You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. So here it is. It's Colossians 3.16. If you have your Bible um, with me, we'll, we'll read it together. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So with this text, there are two ways for us to allow the word of Christ to foster deeper affection in our hearts. Hopefully you're taking notes. First way is embedding the word of Christ deeper into our minds. The second way is by adoring the word of Christ with our hearts. So in order um, for us to understand the importance of embedding God's word and adoring it, we need to understand what the text says when it means the word of Christ. Well, when we unpack that statement, it's basically saying what we translate to say now as the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, which we know the good news. The good news is that Jesus left heaven. He was born of a virgin. It says the fullness of God was dwelled in him by age 30. He was living in earthly ministry where he loved people radically, called them to to repentance, and told them he is Lord. Some people loved the message. Other people had mixed reviews. Some people didn't like what he had to say. Some people were indifferent, and others wanted him killed. One of his disciples uh, actually betrayed him. He was put on trial to be crucified, and we know he was put in a grave to die, but then three three days later, he rose again. So this is life-changing news for both you and I, because all people who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and repent of their sins will be saved. Amen? Amen. That is so good news. So we Christians, we Christians are like Paul. Paul says, I am a slave to Christ, and we have an eternal debt to pay because God saved us from his eternal wrath. So how do we honor Jesus for what he's done? How do we express gratitude for his sacrifice? How do we praise Jesus in such a way that he's pleased? Our passage tells us exactly how. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Paul is saying, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, abundantly, endlessly. In other words, put it like this. We are full-time disciples of Jesus that are willing to do overtime because of what our Savior has done for him. Us, excuse me. So we're disciples that, we're we're full-time disciples willing to live a life where we, we can go into overtime because of what Jesus has done. And as you study the Gospels, you see this. You see John 5, 39, it says, you search the Scriptures because you think They give you internal life, but the scriptures point to me. So Jesus is saying, I'm the start. I'm the finish. He says he's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. And as a result, we have a very special book in our hands. You can even have it on your iPad with you. It's the best-selling book of all time. So with us understanding the Bible's importance, We know, man, this is a God-breathed book. It's a Christ 
signed book. Listen to what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So Paul, the writer of Colossians, is encouraging us not only to dwell on scripture, but to do so richly and abundantly. And he tells us how. This is the first point. Embed the word of Christ in our minds. So this, uh, this concept is, is coming from the first verse where it says teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Um, there's a website I like to check out every so often uh, that explains verses pretty well. It's called BibleRef.com. Here's what it says about the verse. Christ's words can instruct us, which is teaching, and at the same time, Christ's words can tell us also when we are wrong, which is admonishing. The word of Christ instructs us and gives us guidance in how to correct mistakes in what we believe and what we do. In other words, Scripture has the first word in our lives. Scripture has the last word in our lives. I'll say that again. Scripture has the first word in our lives. Scripture has the last word in our lives. And we have the motivation for it, too. The gospel is life-changing. It's changed our lives in such a way that Scripture has the first word in our lives. Scripture has the last word in our lives. So when it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, it's implying something. It's implying that we're going to do that for ourselves. We're going to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that we teach ourselves the word and we correct ourselves in the word. But it also has a direct application as well. It means right here in this room, we're going to do it with each other. Huh. I know it sounds a little weird, but, but, but stay with me. The reason is because the gospel is the apex. The gospel is our guide. It's our beacon. It's our lead. It's, it's what's leading us to to form our whole lives around it. Now, like I said, the gospel, because of the gospel, it's the first word in our lives and it's the last. And this speaks to basic human psyche. As you guys know, once you start to embed information in your mind, the more you embed in your mind, the more passionate you get about it. It's, it's very natural. And so we're, we're up to apply that concept now with scripture. Teach ourselves scripture which then deepens our affections for Christ. Admonish ourselves in Scripture, meaning correct ourselves. That also does the same. It deepens our affection for Christ. Now, you know, this can seem like a concept just from Colossians, but you go backwards, you go backwards to Deuteronomy 6. Listen to what the Word of God says. It says, love the Lord your God. Say it with me, with all your, uh-huh, with all your, soul, uh-huh, with all your mind, and with all your, let's do that one more time, love the Lord with all your, uh-huh, with all your, yes, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and you know, with our mind, that means there's going to have to be some critical thinking that we do. God says love him with all our minds, love him intellectually, and use scripture as the beacon to do so. He wants us to love him in such a way that involves a lot of critical thinking. And we have a lot of access to it. Once you dig into it, you start to see how patient he is, how merciful he is. You see his grace. You see so much about him. 
So um, anyone familiar with the, the Magic School Bus? Raise your hand. Thank God, that's gonna help with the illustration. <laughs> uh, so you guys know how the, the show works, right? There's the teacher, and then the kids, they get on the bus, and then the bus can turn into anything. It can turn into a plane, a ship, whatever the bus needs to turn into so that they can explore and learn whatever scientific topic that's gonna be taught. Well, imagine we go back in time and these kids get on the bus, right? And the bus turns very tiny like a little plane. And then it works its way up into our ear and then all the way up to the mind. So now these kids are in your mind. They're in my mind. And then, so the, so the, 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 the bus goes way up and then next thing you know, they land near the hippocampus. And the teacher explains how this is an important part of brain for learning and for memory. Well, it's a kid's show, so what the kids see is what looks like bookshelves, rows and rows and rows of books in order by passion. So here's the question for us. What books will the kids find in the front shelves? What books will the kids find in the back corner? Then where will scripture be in that row of books? You see, we have a Christ-signed, God-breathed document at our fingertips. Colossians 3.16 tell us, tells us to treat it as such. So let's get practical. You know, um, what does that look like to dwell on the word of Christ richly? Well, we need to submit ourselves to the daily process of prioritizing scripture above all else. Now, I know we get busy. Um, I have two kids, I just told you that, that are under two. So things get a little busy. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that shouldn't hinder us from the daily practice of spending time thinking on scripture critically. So if you're taking notes, here's two questions you can incorporate into your study to help you think more critically about scripture. Number one, what does the text that you're reading say about God? And then number two, this question is, what does the text tell us about the people that we're reading about in the text? Now, the first question, what does the text tell us about God? It helps us isolate focus on who God is and then learn more about his character. The second question, what does the text tell us about people? It helps us see how fickle people are, how apathetic we can be, and even re downright rebellious we can be towards God, but yet see how patient and kind he is with us. So meditate on those truths as you study scripture. Meditate on, to them, on them, excuse me, to the point that you memorize them. Matter of fact, you could do that with Colossians 3.16, and I'm actually gonna help have a little on-ramp on at the end of the service to help us memorize it, but meditate on Colossians 3.16 today while you're washing the dishes, while you're folding the laundry, as you're driving to work, as you're leaving from service, contemplate on it before you pray. Incorporate it into your prayer. Secondly, teach and admonish other believers on the word of God. Now, I know that sounds a little bit weird, 
Some of you might be thinking, isn't this reserved for the pastors on a Sunday? Isn't that the point of the sermon? It's going to correct us and, and everything will be all right. You almost, you almost, excuse me, you almost, excuse me, also might be thinking, I don't want to go around offending people. Nowadays, it's not uh, nice to offend people. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, who wants to be rejected or you get corrected back? You know, like, no one wants to deal with that, right? Um, so I know it seems weird. I know. But um, when we go about teaching and admonishing other believers, here's what's going to actually happen. They'll be encouraged. Think about that. Think about Sunday school. I don't know if y'all do Sunday school, but you guys have probably all been to Sunday school or heard about it. And what do you remember? You remember the little kids, they stand up, you know, in the little line, they're all dressed up, and then they recite a verse. And everyone claps, right? Why? It's not that, sure, the kids are cute. I'm not taking away from that. But what's more powerful is God's word. And if anything, we're really marveling about it. Or think on the other spectrum of, right? Imagine an older believer comes in and you start saying some situation that's going on in your heart and you feel like it's a custom problem type situation that no one else has ever done before in human history. And it's such a big problem. But they lay out God's word. And all of a sudden, it seems like time just even stands still because something clicks, something makes sense. It wasn't anything about that old person. Once again, it was about the word of God, which speaks to the power of teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, as our text says. Like I said, these little kids, they're average Joes. That elderly person I just gave an illustration of, they're an average Joe, but we have an unaverage word that can, that can do tremendous work in the heart and that it alone can do in the heart. And so we use it as such. Um, here's the thing, too. God's designed us to accept information like this. I like to think, as I'm um, going through my, my ministry journey of my own, I like to think of, of God's word sometimes kind of like a seed. It actually says that in Mark chapter 4, but, you know, sometimes you, you say that word, you know, whatever that scripture is, and you tell it to the person, and it doesn't seem like it has an effect in the moment. But then six months later, maybe a year, maybe a week, maybe that same night, God does whatever he does. Not because of you. There was nothing special about you. You know, we're all red-blooded Americans here. But it's because of God's word. And so we can put our stock in it. We can put our trust in it. We can put our hope in it. It's that good. And so speak, uh, speak um, the truth in love. And so when it says, um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, that's where we speak it in love. So um, sometimes you might want to wait before you speak the truth. Sometimes it's not the right timing. Sometimes you might need to wait and pray and let the Lord work in your heart before you speak to the person. So the benefits to teaching and admonishing one another are uncanny. And doing so safeguards us as well. It safeguards us from the false teachers out there. It safeguards us from being self-centered. And ultimately, it helps us with avoiding displeasing God as Christians. So we have nothing to lose with doing this. We actually have a lot to gain. So now that we covered the first section, let's zoom back out. Um, we just talked about what it is to, to know what the word of Christ actually is. And then we talked about how since the word of Christ means the gospel, we know that Jesus did 
so much for us that we are indebted to him because of who he is and what he's done. And as a result, we want to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, which means we're going to prioritize it in such a way. We're going to think critically about it in such a way. And then we're going to teach and admonish one another as well. These are acts of worship to God that are very pleasing to him. And you see, here's the thing. When you get um, into something intellectually, what it does is it works its way down 18 inches to the heart. And then you get a deeper affection in the heart, which is actually the second point. Adore the word of Christ with our hearts. This is a simple way of reiterating what the second part of the verse says, where it says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So I like to summarize this command as to say, sing scripture. This is another way to point out scripture's value. It's so good, we need to sing it. That's what we just did just a few moments ago. We sing. Singing is such a powerful tool. Singing teaches us. It helps with long-term memory. Everyone in this room can sing the alphabet. Why? Because of that little song that helps us remember those 26 letters. Um, singing is used to help us express emotions. I could sing a Disney song right now, and some of y'all are going to feel some emotions. I could sing an R&B song from the early 2000s. You're going to feel some emotions. We could do it with country, so on and so forth. Um, but the point is to, to apply different, there are different genres of music, but the point is that um, singing has such power to it. And so we're, we're told to basically take that line of thought and apply it to scripture with thankfulness in our hearts to God for what he's done. So I know that can, can, can you know, it might take a, a second to, to really ponder, but this is, once again, basic human psyche. It's our natural instinct. You know, um, think about the average mother with her small baby. You know, she looks at that little bundle of joy. Especially think about, like, when um, they first come out of the womb. They're not. They got all this stuff on them and stuff like that. But, like, the mom looks at this baby with such deep affection to the point that she could actually, like, sing to the baby. Maybe she's a good singer. Maybe she's not. She's not even concerned about it. It's just the affection is so deep, right? And so it's the same with God's word. We want to treasure it in our hearts in such a way that we can sing about it. Scripture is that special, right? It's so special that we can sing about it. So we have the good news in our hands. I didn't tell you guys anything new by hearing the gospel, by hearing that Jesus is the Son of God by knowing that he was born of the, in the flesh of a virgin, by knowing that he lived a radical life and called people to repent and to accept him as Lord. I, this is not new news by me telling you that he died, but three days later he rose again and conquered sin and death. I'm not telling you anything new by knowing that God's wrath will be avoided because we have trusted in his son. I'm not telling you anything new by you knowing that God sees you as righteous even though we shouldn't. I'm not telling you anything new in the fact that we get to have a relationship with God, our Savior. We have a good and gracious God, and so we just gotta sing about it. That's what we did at the beginning of the service. That's how we're gonna end the service, too. 
And I didn't even talk to the music leaders. You know, they just knew, like, man, we're going to probably sing about salvation here. Um, so here's the thing, though. You look in Scripture, and you see the same thing. You look in the Psalms, and, and every Psalm, it, ha- it, it might have a different flow to it, but in essence, it's, it's a wicked man colliding up against God's mercy and grace, and then him putting documentation about it. That's the gist of the Psalms. When you see a hymn, it's the same thing. It's how the person is saying, man, my soul is wretched, but he saved me. You, a spiritual song is, is, in essence, a testimony. It's me saying, God saved me, or this is what God has done. This is who he is. And so we join with the writers of scriptures by singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God because he did the same with us. He took our wickedness and collided it up against his mercy and his grace. So as a result, we sing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Um, Back in 2018, uh, I was leading uh, music at McLean Bible Church, for anyone who knows McLean. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a mega church, to, uh, to make it simple. Well, anyway, I was leading music there, and uh, I could sing, but I couldn't play um, an instrument well, I should say. And so um, the music pastor was like, hey, man, um, how about you get connected to this ministry, and you'll start to learn music, and then you can play and sing at the same time. All right, sounds good. Now, in my mind, I did have a vision. I'm not going to front. I had a vision of, like, man, like, I'm going to sing, and I'm going to play, and it's going to be, like, Hillsong-ish, like, right? Well, I got there, and I was sadly mistaken. So the ministry was actually to help with struggling marriages. And so they would ask me to get up and sing. And so uh, I get up there, and I'm playing bad, but singing, okay, at least, (laughs) um, but I'm not, man, it was so hard because it was like, no one in the room is into what's going on, you know what I mean? Myself included. I'm just kind of up there, you know? And I remember thinking to myself, all right, I need to, I need to like switch my motivation, like, because that vision I had of the Hillsong thing, not enough uh, motivation to keep me going, not to mention bad motivation at that. So I ended up asking the ministry leader, I said, hey, you know, why do you want the people to sing? Now, I asked this in a kind way. And he basically said the equivalent of like, you know, it's just good for people to sing. So that was, that was nowhere near the kind of motivation I was looking for. And so I, I was like, you know what, I got I to gotta take this to God's word. So I did this scriptural search to find like, man, like what does scripture say about music that can fuel my efforts to lead week to week? Well, I went and that's when I landed on Colossians 3.16. So I began meditating on it, just letting it ruminate in my mind. Then I memorized it. And the next you know, I eventually left McLean and I, I started leading music at a different church. And man, I was so sold on this verse that I made a song about it. And I eventually encouraged the whole music team to memorize it, which we're gonna do later today. You know, um, we're gonna sing it together. So the point is, scripture changed everything. So prior to 2018, I enjoyed singing simply because God had given me a gift. Whereas um, you fast forward, and once I saw that scripture, I understood that, yes, God's given me a gift, but singing is important because of the content of what we sing. 
not our ability in it, right? And I see y'all heading on it, so you, so you guys are with me. So when, we, when, we, uh, when it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, it tells us the how. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, so singing scripture is so good for the soul. Um, meditate on a psalm. Take time to think about it crit- critically, then sing it. Um, and it doesn't matter how well you sing. Maybe you need to sing privately, that's fine. But sing it. Sing it in such a way that it helps um, get deeper in your heart. It'll help work its way from the head down that 18 inches down to here so that we adore Christ that much more. So I want to um, wrap up our time today with actually focusing on the first word in the verse. It says, let, let. You know, that word, it, it's, a, it's a key word. Um, it's a pivotal word. It promotes submission. It means something has to happen to you and to me. It's not something that we can do on our own. Something has to happen. And I want to even take it a step further and say that something had to already happen to us in order to apply this verse. God has to give us a new heart. He has to give us a heart in such a way where we see the good news as good news. And he offers that today. It's available to anyone in this room who might feel unsettled about the gospel or resistant about the gospel. God still has salvation on the table. And scripture says this, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So anyone in the room who might feel unsettled about the good news about Christ, let God do him. Let God do his work. In just a moment, I'm going to pray uh, that anyone who feels unsettled, they they can be assured of who God is and what he's done. Now, to the believers in the room, let the Spirit of God fill us up with his word. Take time to ponder the depths of God's truth. Take note as, as he brings a scripture to mind. Relish on who God is in light of his word. Submit yourselves and ourselves to the daily practice of treasuring him. Teach yourself the word. Correct yourself in the word. Teach other believers the word. Correct other believers gently in the word. And, and really, we're going to do this together. We're going to sing scripture. So if you have your uh, Bible, I think, it, oh, well, they'll probably be up there too. We're going to sing it together in ESV. And I know you're thinking to yourself, how are we going to sing scripture, right? Well, I made a little melody. It's not the best in the world, but it's going to be good enough that it'll hopefully stick in your mind and you'll be thinking about Colossians 3.16 later today and let it get deep in your heart. So here goes. I'm going to sing it and then I'm going to ask you all to join me. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Pretty easy, right? Let's try that together. We'll try. We'll do it slow. We'll do it slow. Don't worry. Don't worry. You know, I, I led music before. I'm not going to go. Here, here we go. So 
The first part is let the word of Christ. Pause, dwell in you richly. Let's, let's try. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, plus, and spiritual songs. We repeat that part. And spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. We're going to do it one more time, but this time we're, gonna, we're just going to clap a little bit. Uh, let's try it. Here we go. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, in all wisdom, singing songs and plus, and spiritual songs and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Amen. Amen. Great job, everybody. Great job. Um, so, hey, that's, that's the first step right there. You got one song that'll help you easily memorize that verse because the word of God is that special. So I want to pray, and then I will share a different presentation with you guys. Father, we thank you just for this time. We thank you that your word is everything. Lord, you say your word will not return void. God, you say your word is profitable for reproof and for correction, Lord, but your, your, your word is also um, medicine for the soul. Psalms 42 says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you. God, you provide us that nourishment through your word because it's the words of Jesus Christ who says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. Jesus says, all scriptures point to me. God, we think about the rock that Moses hit, and Jesus says that that's him being hit, Lord, so that his blood would be poured out for, for the sake of our righteousness. Lord, we think about other parts of Scripture where, where Jesus reveals himself. Lord, it makes it known that, that he is Lord. And so now, Lord, you, you, you've done it in such a way that seemed hidden, but now, Lord, you've made it publicly known. So, God, we pray for, for the hearts in here, Lord. We pray for the hearts that, that need to know that intimately, who you are, and trust you intimately. Lord, we pray for, for the ones that, who are already trusting you intimately, Lord, that they would trust you that much more deeper. Lord, that, that, um, that we would let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Lord, that we would remember you through such a sacrament as taking communion, that we would remember you Lord, in, in, in a simple task as folding laundry, Lord, knowing, Lord, you know, my laundry was dirty, but you washed it white as snow with your blood. Lord, we thank you for, for memories such as this. We thank you uh, for letting us understand your word. Lord, it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to you. Lord, we praise you for, for, for these kinds of things, and, and we pray, Lord, that um, we could be one body under the headship of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.